0: Welcome to the virtual coffee break with the MSU Extension Dairy Team. As always, my name is Martin Mangual, welcoming you to a new episode. This week, our dairy educator Mary Ambuza will have two featured guests, Dr. Corey Clark from Michigan State University Extension and Dr. Robert Melligan, an emeritus professor from Cornell. Their topic is farm leadership and how this can impact your business. So Marianne, take us away.
1: Welcome everyone to this week's episode. I'm Marianne Boussa and with me we have Dr. Bob Milligan and Dr. Corey Clark. Dr. Milligan, can you go ahead and introduce yourself?
2: It's a pleasure to uh, be with you. Um, I grew up in the great state of Michigan. I'm a Spartan. After I left the farm and went to Michigan state actually with every intention of coming back to the farm. I, I often joked, I got on the education train and forgot to get off. Um, so after a, a dairy degree at Michigan state and nag econ I got my PhD from the university of California at Davis, uh, spent from 1975 to 2003 on the faculty at, at Cornell university. Um, at that point I, I left, technically retired from Cornell, um, I've spent since then in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, working in consulting. So, I work with farm clients in, in all ag commodities to improve their leadership and supervision. And we describe our um, clients as those who are seeking to go from good to great.
1: Thank you uh, for being here with us today. Dr. Corey-Clark, can you go ahead and introduce yourself real quick? Sure.
3: I am the... Uh, Michigan State Extension Farm Business Management Educator in the thumb. I'm also from Michigan. I'm from a dairy farm in mid Michigan. And like Bob, I did dairy and then AggieCon at Michigan State before going off to South Carolina and doing some consulting there. And then coming back to Michigan State just two years ago and joining the Farm Business Management team.
1: We're uh, certainly glad to have you um, on our team as a Spartan. Today, one of the things we're going to talk about is something that Dr. Milligan has been working on for a while now, and that is leadership
2: on our farms. Why don't we start off there? Thank you again, Marianne. I actually have what may be a little bit of a startling conclusion, and I've concluded this from working with my clients, from reading, from studying. I actually believe that today, in the middle of an incredible pandemic, is likely the greatest opportunity for leadership you will have in your lifetime let me spend a little bit of time helping you to understand that. And and I think to really capitalize on that, you have to really understand where we are in our understanding of modern leadership and of modern motivation. Just as your farms have changed, your production practices have changed, your genetics have changed. What we know about human behavior, which means motivation and leadership has changed dramatically. What's happened is we thought about for years and years that we motivated people, and we described it as carrots and sticks. What we meant by that is we encouraged people, we, we provided incentives, we, we gave them money, okay, all of those kind of things. And if that didn't get, wasn't enough, then we provided some reprimands, some consequences, namely the sticks. Now, what we know today is that that actually creates suboptimal motivation it's kind of like giving somebody a candy bar. When you give them a candy bar, they get an instant burst of energy because motivation is really energy to act. Now, if we want to think about what what do we do the equivalent of giving our employees a steak, okay, which will be energy for a long period of time or, or a dairy product, okay, now we need to think about what we understand about modern motivation, which is that people who are motivated have their psychological needs for choice, connection, and competence met. Now, what do we mean by those three Cs? Choice is the perception that we have choices. It's a perception we are in control of our actions. That doesn't mean that the employees can do anything they wanna do, okay? But it has great consequences for how we lead and supervise connection is about relationships. We all seek connection. And in fact, that's probably our biggest problem today with the pandemic is we're we're almost all short of connection. Connection is having genuine, authentic relationships. In terms of our employees, it means we value our employees because of who they are, not just because of what they can do. We'll talk more about that later. It's also contributing to something that's important, to a noble purpose. That's where the vision thing comes in. And finally, competence. We we know a little more about competence. We do a lot of training. We try to develop a mastery in our milkers for the, the milking procedure. But competence is feeling successful at meeting daily challenges. It's also a sense of personal growth and learning. I truly believe we all want to grow and develop. Now, sometimes that has been pushed pretty down in inside people's psyche, but we have to continue to motivate to do that. Now, leadership today is also evolving, and it has to do with with how people are motivated. And to do that, we have to think about power. Power is our ability to impact other people, to influence people. Power is influence. Now, as a supervisor, you have two categories of power. The first one is you're the boss. Okay. You have the formal power. It's because of the position you hold and, and you can use that position. The problem with overusing that position is that formal power is used to get people to follow, to be engaged in what you're trying to accomplish because they have to, but that's not really what you want. You really want employees to be engaged to follow because they want to. And that means that we need to use our influence power, our ability to interact with people. Basically it goes, it also has to do with build that connection. People without connection aren't going to be engaged. We have to be authentic. It has to do with listening. It has to do with being fair. It has to do with empathy. And so, what we're trying to do to maximize our leadership power is to reduce the amount of dependence we have on formal power and increase the dependence we have on informal power. So, now in the middle of a pandemic, I really think is the opportunity to use our understanding of motivation and our understanding of leadership to build an engaged team. Because, think about it if you can. Get your people engaged and say, we're going to thrive in this terrible time. Think about the loyalty that's going to build for the long haul.
1: Dr. Corey Clark, I have a question. What kind of financial improvement a farm that adopts these types of leadership methods, what can they expect?
3: Well, we know that turnover costs a lot of money. It costs thousands of dollars per person, that needs to be replaced per year. Lost productivity, training, lost morale from having difficulties with employees. And that really just scratches the surface. The difference that this kind of leadership can make can impact anywhere that people are involved in the farm. And people are involved in the farm pretty much everywhere. Your employees impact everything from milk quality to breeding and as well as the equipment. And any of those things, where the people are, imagine if those people were a little bit happier with their job, a little bit more connected, a little bit more motivated. Those little bits add up to a lot in terms of the value of milk quality, of breeding rates, of repair costs. In addition to that, it can reduce the stress of the managers and the owners of the farm because an engaged staff, a staff that's happy with their job, again, motivated, engaged, working well together, Um, is much less stressful, and that investment of time and energy can pay off in some significant ways.
1: Dr. Milligan, what advice do you have for dairy farmers that are cow people and not people people?
2: This probably is the $64,000 question. People who work in human resource management and and organizational development and and develop people uh, probably spend more time on this than anything else. It's not just a dairy issue. Clearly is a critical issue for you. I mean, think about the the chef who now owns the restaurant. He has the same issue because what you have become and what the owner on a dairy farm almost always is, what the middle manager is, the manager, the milking parlor, the the manager, the the feed center, the, the crop manager, whatever you happen to have is a working manager. Now I like to talk about the challenge of being a working manager because I think it is one of the most difficult positions in the world because it really is two positions. Think about it. You're still doing tasks. You're still making decisions about cows or feed or finances. If you're the owner, you're still implementing those decisions. You're still managing something. Now, one of the interesting things is if we look at the word management Management is about just what we talked about. It's basically about making decisions and doing them. And so if we think about what we just talked about with motivation and informal power, managing people is really not what we want to do. Managing people would mean we treat them like things and just tell them what to do and expect them to go do it. Well, all of our research, and Corey had a wonderful answer to the previous question, okay, says that's wrong. We don't manage people. I try never to say that anymore. We lead, supervise, and coach people. And so that then is the second part of this working manager job. Okay? It's the supervision. It's the directing. It's the encouraging. It's the providing feedback. Because now you're not the one making the decision and doing all the work. You're the one engaging people and training people to do that. It's a very, very different mindset. And that truly is the challenge. I also think that one of the, again, this may seem contradictory, that the best way to be good at both your supervisory job and have time to do your manager job is to make the supervisory job a priority. Because when you're doing your manager job and the supervisory people aren't doing well, they're not getting anything done. or are not getting it done well and so if you make a priority to make sure you have the right people, you have them trained, they're engaged, you probably will spend less time than if you spend your time solving problems or, as people like to say, dealing with drama. That creates stress that Corey referred to. You don't want that. You want to have your people in place so you can go and feed cows or plant crops or or go to meetings, whatever the case may be. And just as you've spent years studying those things. You've read Hort's Dairyman, you've read Progressive Dairyman, you've read Dairy Today. You also need to become better skilled at their supervisory part of their working manager job.
1: How would you advise dairy farmers to look at their team of employees and think about which employees are already showing a use of informal power and leadership amongst the other employees.
2: Let's say you're thinking about which of the people on a a milking team you would would like to promote to to milking center manager. Instead of just looking at who's the best milker, because that's the manager part of this, they're now going to become a working manager. Observe their interaction with people. How are they building connection with their fellow milkers? Who on the team are the milkers looking to when they want somebody to for, for an answer to a question, or or they want some advice and, and they don't want to come to you as their supervisor. Those are the kind of people who are most likely going to be the best at that supervisory part of the working manager position. Too often, we promote the best milker to become the, the uh, supervisor. That he or she might be the best person, but they might not be. In fact, one of the interesting things to observe is that very few superstar athletes have become great managers because they don't have the empathy for the people that aren't superstars. So look look at the connection, look at the, uh, at the competence in, in terms of, of relationship building of the people on your staff or of the people you're interviewing.
1: Dr. Clark, what kind of financial goals or benchmarks would you advise farmers to share with their employee team in order to provide that positive feedback to improve communication and to motivate their employees? I think
3: that what comes to mind first for a lot of people is like costs and cost of production. And if we can change those, then we should use those to motivate the employees. And it is important. And honestly, it's what we're trying to change, but employees are really distant from those numbers. They're pretty, indirect and hard to see the connection between what they're doing and the financial goals what's going to work better with the employees is to have things that are like direct and tangible and they can they know they can change it and they can get their arms around it things like somatic cell count things like breeding rate maybe some uh, bacteria count things that they can see and things that they feel like they can make a difference in
1: dr milligan how would creating a genuine connection with employees change if there's a cultural difference or even a language difference between the employer and the employee. We know that here in Michigan, um, we've got employees that come from the local area or they come from Central America or, or South America. And a lot of times our employers, our farms, they can come from Europe and elsewhere as well. So What kind of advice do you have to make sure that you're creating that genuine connection?
2: Super question uh, again, Marianne. And and so let's stop and and think for a second first about the connection that you referred to. And so connection is one of our three psychological needs of of all of us as, as human beings, okay? It's a sense of belonging and genuine connection to others. So I think the first thing to be clear is that The connection is important to being motivated no matter what our cultural differences are. Now, that said, there are clearly some differences. Some of the cultural norms, some of the cultural expectations, some of our just cultural history does impact how we should go about building that connection. And one of, I think, the best examples when we're really talking about the Hispanic workforce If we're talking about connection, we just talked about under the working manager that working managers need to be assertive. But when we become overly aggressive, or when we are perceived as being overly aggressive, that is going to reduce connection. Now, one of the things that people who study cultural differences have found that one of the biggest differences between our Anglo culture and the Hispanic culture is in our Anglo culture, we don't like having someone raise their voice to us. In the Hispanic culture, it isn't just they don't like it. That's just flat out something you do not do. And so raising your voice is going to have more of a detriment to connection in a Hispanic culture than it does in our Anglo culture. So there are differences across culture. Now, I want to add one thing, since we're talking about this aggressiveness. One of the things that's interesting, and I remember I said the question of being perceived as being aggressive. And one of the things that that I've been studying is when you go to an employee and you want to train them on a new task, or you want to provide some some feedback, maybe it's some place they need to improve, You're, you're trying to help them. You want to be a hero. And you need to be assertive. The challenge is that it's very easy, and as we just said, easier in the Hispanic culture, to be perceived that you're being aggressive. Now what happens when that perception becomes apparent? Basically, listening stops. You have now become a villain. You're not a hero. you're a villain, and they're a victim. And so as we think about this connection, we have to be sure that we're not being perceived as being overly aggressive. Now, Marianne, your question about communication differences, that, of course, is a huge issue in our industry. I truly believe it is the owner, the manager's responsibility to build connection with their employees. Where there's a language barrier, that's going to be more difficult. And so, hey, as managers, we're great problem solvers. We've got to solve that problem because without communication, we're not even going to be able to communicate the SOP for milking or whatever. Without some degree of of personal interaction, we're not going to build good connection. So whether it's bringing in someone to help us with translation, or probably in the long run, somebody learning Spanish. I know businesses where I brought in someone to teach the, the Anglos Spanish and the Spanish speakers English.
1: Yeah definitely a tough issue that we often run into here in Michigan and and all over with the dairy industry. My other question for you is what in particular about this COVID pandemic makes this a unique opportunity for us to become better leaders?
2: I think there are two parts to that, Marianne, and it's a really important question. Okay, the the first part, and and this may be more for the, the owners, Economic theory is very clear. The greatest opportunity exists when there's the greatest variability, okay? And so now is the time to look for opportunity. Stephen Covey in his famous book, Seven Habits, talked about beginning with the end in mind. I think that's magic today. Leaders have to think about where do we want to get, not how did we get there yesterday, okay, because yesterday's always been history, but now it's really history. OK, we have to think about as a leader, where do we want to get? If you're in trouble, it's how are we going to survive this? If you've got a better financial situation, it's how, how are we going to really thrive in this environment? How are we going to do that? And then be very creative. Bring in people if you need to, but be very creative. Don't rely on past mechanisms. Be creative. Know what your contingency plans are. And then there's the people part. OK, and I, and I think I really referenced that in, in my intro now is the time to build a team think when do teams get built the best teams get built when they're under pressure also the worst teams come apart when they're under pressure but if you can help the world is lacking in connection all of your employees are lacking in connection if you can provide that connection you can get that engagement so that they they really feel a part of we're in this together we're going to lick this pandemic thing i think that'll carry over That's an opportunity to build a team that may be with you for a long time. Now, what what I want to do to end this, okay, is I want you to think, I want to make eight suggestions for what you do, okay, and it's really to increase choice, connection, and competence. The first thing is be visible to people, okay? Don't look like you're running away. Be visible. Be a part of what's going on. The second one is listen. There's nothing that builds connection like listening. And I mean truly listen. Don't just listen to find out what you want to hear or listen for what, how you're going to argue with them. Listen. I, I love to make the recommendation that, that after someone else has stopped speaking, pause for a minute. Pause to take time to really think about what did they say? How can I effectively respond to that? The third one is, is positive feedback. Kudos go a long way. We see every day people who are showing appreciation to hospital workers and and so forth that are showing up. Well, your your employees are showing up just like they are in the middle of a pandemic. Show your appreciation. Ask for input. Involve people in planning and decision-making. That will increase choice. Ask people for their ideas. Run ideas past people. The fifth one is be clear. Probably all of us, are poorer listeners than we were six months ago, just because of all the noise that's in the world. Okay? Be clear. Repeat if you have to. Ask people on important things to, to repeat back what you said. So I, I, it's really important that we understand what's going on here. Let's make sure we're clear. I would really encourage especially larger farms, larger businesses, to have some form of consistent communication. I have a number of clients who are sending out a weekly email. A lot of our businesses are getting big and people don't even know what's going on in other parts of the farm. How can you feel a part of something that you don't know what's going on? It it can also communicate key decisions, but it also has just some friendly kind of stuff to it. So-and-so had a birthday, okay? Somebody was able to do something exciting even in our current uh, state. Address conflicts with care and empathy. There will be conflicts. You need to be assertive. You need to address them, but do it with care, do it with empathy. Wounds today are gonna come easier and they're gonna last longer just because we're all so on edge. And finally, basically it's what we've been saying, or what I've been saying at least, be more of a leader and a friend. Use those informal powers and less of a boss. Uh, We are out
1: of time. So thank you for joining us for this week's virtual coffee break.
2: Thank you for your time. I appreciate the opportunity to be in this podcast.
1: We are very lucky to have you and thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks to Marianne, Dr. Clark, and Dr. Milligan for that valuable conversation today. Certainly, leadership can transform businesses and farms on a big way. I concur with Dr. Milligan that these times can prove to be fertile ground for new leaders to rise in their farms and transform those dairy operations. We will also like to mention that Dr. Milligan has a monthly newsletter called Learning Edge Monthly and that newsletter is available for you to join. If you want to join the newsletter, please email rmilligan at trsmith.com. Once again, the email to join the newsletter is rmilligan.com. Milligan at trsmith.com. Join us next week when senior educator Stan Moore will interview Adam Kantrovich, a former MSU Extension educator now working at Clemson University. Their episode will focus on helping farms navigate through the multiple programs that are currently accessible to aid businesses. So please join us then.